Welcome to Feeding the Flock, Season 9, and our expositions through the New Testament book of 2 Corinthians. We're currently in chapter 12 and verse 14. Hi there, I'm Glendale Tony. I'm glad you joined me today for this Bible study. Let's begin reading what Paul has written for us in verse 14 of chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians. He writes this, Here for this third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be a burden to you. For I do not seek what is yours, but you. For children are not responsible to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. I will most gladly spend and be expended for your souls. If I love you more, am I to be loved less? Be that as it may, I did not burden you myself. Nevertheless, crafty fellow that I am, I took you in by deceit. Certainly, I have not taken advantage of you through any of those whom I have sent to you, have I? I urged Titus to go, and I sent the brother with him. Titus did not take advantage of you, did he? Did we not conduct ourselves in the same spirit and walk in the same steps? We find here in this short paragraph uh, that Paul is continuing to make his argument about his own um, his own apostleship, his own authority as an apostle, especially when it comes to this particular church at the uh, the congregation at Corinth. And he's already talked about uh, the things that would vindicate him as the status of uh, apostleship role. And those things include his character in chapter 10, and then in chapter 11, his conduct and his conflicts. And now chapter 12, uh, speak more directly to his, his actual credentials as an apostle. And those credentials, uh, as that particular office would, would uh, be qualified, uh, includes uh, his, uh, his revelations and his signs. And we've uh, already talked about those things concerning his revelations. And what's interesting is that uh, he talks about the fact, of course, of him being transported directly uh, into the presence of God, into what he calls the third heaven or paradise. That's in the beginning of chapter 12. What's fascinating is that uh, Later on in the second uh, paragraph, talking about the thorn in his flesh, we find out that the only real revelation, you might say, that Paul uh, retained was not his trip to heaven uh, and the things he saw there or the things he heard there. The real revelation came directly by God speaking to him telling him, my grace is sufficient for you. That was the revelation, you see. And now he gets into the credentials of his um, his signs. Well, he mentions the fact that he he did miracles and signs and wonders while he is 
in their presence while he was there uh, during the tour. But uh, And in fact, he stayed there for at least 18 months. And evidently, these things, these miracles, these wonders and signs were performed by him in their presence at that time. And so he he, he doesn't necessarily itemize those uh, in that, in any sort of a list, at least in verses uh, 11, 12, or 13. He just mentions the fact that they were on display and that this congregation witnessed it. Uh, they they saw that they they could give testimony to it, and he he merely leaves it there and goes on to this next paragraph that we find ourselves because the signs of a true apostle uh, is verses eleven, twelve, and thirteen. But the real sign, you see, the real sign shows up in verses fourteen through. 18, and particularly here in verse 15. But we'll get to that in a moment. Let's go back and look at this. Verse 14, it says, here for this uh, third time, I am ready to come to you. See, uh, the first time, of course, was was uh, Paul's second mission tour where he uh, actually went to Macedonia and Achaia and he went to Corinth in particular and Jesus told him to stay there in Corinth and to continue to do ministry there. Now, in 2 Corinthians earlier, in chapter 2, in fact, verse 1, he, uh, he, hints at, he hints at the fact that he probably made a very quick visit, a very sorrowful visit, a visit that uh, was not a fun visit. And that's what many people refer to as Paul's sorrowful visit. And he had to confront these people and get them back on track again. And it was a, a, a time of sorrow, a time of, of uh, what should have been repentance and, and reclaiming some of the things that they had perhaps lost in their walk with Christ. And so now he, if he goes back there again, and he will, and he says, uh, this is, this will be my third time. I am ready to come to you, and I will not be a burden to you. You see, he started out at the Corinthian uh, congregation by supporting himself, by supporting himself from the money that he received from other churches before he got there, and maybe even while he was there during his tenure uh, at Corinth, he received support from other churches and other places. But also we find in uh, Acts chapter 18 that he supported himself through his work as a tent and awning business uh, along with his friends uh, while he was there. He lived with them, he worked with them, and uh, he did uh, the tent making business with them in order to support himself. And he did this with a real strategy. And not just a strategy, it seemed to have been a principle of Paul's that in certain places, he just wanted to offer the gospel and his preaching and his ministry for free with no charge. And he said earlier in this chapter, uh, for in what respect were you treated as inferior to the rest of the churches, except that I myself did not become a burden to you. And then he puts his tongue in cheek and he says, forgive me this wrong. And, uh, and he's, he's not about to say that, that, uh, 
he, uh, he, he wants to do anything different because here he makes it out to say that he's not going to do anything different. And, uh, and, he, and in fact, he's made it his point all along, uh, even from uh, chapter 2, verse 17, he, he makes it clear, we were not like many peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, but as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. So Paul's ministry is free. It is offered without charge. And he did this for a reason, did not be a burden to them, but it it means more than just a financial burden. It meant that he didn't want this money exchanged in the ministry to be some sort of a, a barrier between them, as some sort of a level of expectations or a level of, of uh, professional uh, uh, elitism or something like that. He just didn't want any of that to occur. He wanted to just serve the people out of love. And he says, he says in chapter 11, in fact, uh, verses uh, 7 through 12, I'm not going to read the entire passage, but it does say, or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted? Because I preached the gospel of God to you without charge. I robbed other churches by taking wages from them to serve you. And he goes on in verse 9, he says, I, and when I was present with you, and was in need, I was not a burden to anyone. For when the brethren came from Macedonia, they fully supplied my need. And in everything, I kept myself from being a burden to you and will continue to do so. That's verse 9 of chapter 11 of the book we're in. So, Paul isn't about to compromise this particular principle. It seems to be a personal principle, but that doesn't mean he's willing to be flexible about it or that he's willing to adapt in order to just make friends. He's not in this thing to make friends or to make his enemies somehow like him better. That's not it. He has a principle here and he will continue to do so. So he's promising them that when I come back the third time, I'm going to do it the same way. I will not expect money in return to my for my ministry with you. Uh, this is going to be still free of charge. He says, and in fact, he clarifies, he says uh, uh, at the rest of verse 14, for I do not seek what is yours, but you for Children are not responsible to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. You see, Paul, as, a, uh, as an apostle, did not um, uh, present himself and did not uh, put himself in this situation of being some sort of a professional minister or professional apostle. I come in and you pay me this, or you pay me this, and then I'll come in. Uh, he didn't negotiate a salary here or a contract here. He came and offered it. And he says, I'm going to come back the same way I started this thing. I'm not changing anything. Because why? Because he doesn't look at this as a professional coming in to do a job to get paid for. He is, he is seeing himself even as an apostle. He sees himself as a parent. He is functioning like a parent, and he's going to treat the Corinthians like his children. And in fact, he kind of started out that way. If you see 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 
verses 1 through 3, Paul says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as men of flesh, as to infants in Christ, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not able to receive it. Indeed, even now you're not able. Yet, yet able, that is, for you are still fleshly, for since there is jealousy and strife among you, you are not, uh, are you uh, not fleshly? And are you not walking uh, like mere men? So Paul says, I treated you as, as my newborns. <laughs> and that's what he says. And he's continued to do that. Even as they have grown, as they have been challenged in their own spiritual growth, he is still functioning as an apostle. Yes. As the authority of the apostle. Yes. But he's doing it with the temperament and the attitude of a parent. And he says, because why? Because earlier in this this, uh, whole passage in chapter 11, he says, for I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband so that To Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. But I am afraid that as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. So Paul has an affection, has has a, a commitment to these people, just like a parent would have over his children. And that resulted even in the way that he... Uh, he practiced this financial thing with them as a parent for his children. We'll be back right after this short break. Welcome back. We are still in this whole idea that as an apostle, Paul took the demeanor as if he was a parent and he uses it in in the principle of his own finances, in the principle of his own support. He says, I came into you to, to function as a parent would to provide for you. I didn't expect you to provide for me. Now, he says in other places that it would have been perfectly right for him to expect that support. There's nothing wrong in that. He's not judging other people and their ministries, but he is counterbalancing what these false apostles are doing. They put some sort of a financial um, a ticket on their uh, their supposed ministry that they would come in and they would charge a certain amount saying that this sermon is worth this amount of money so I'm not going to preach it until till you give me what I'm worth and somehow the Corinthians respected that somehow they thought this was this was a, a superior thing because they acted superior and they they charged a superior fee and Paul says, 
but I came in with a totally opposite principle. I came in like a parent, and I sacrificed for you rather than trying to have you sacrifice to to benefit my support, financially speaking. Now, uh, uh, I do need, I think, uh, to address this particular issue because I believe that there are many congregations these days that uh, look at passages like this and and Paul sacrificing for those he's serving, and they, they try to get something for nothing out of their preacher. And in fact, they try to get everything they can out of their preacher without giving them the, the support that they need or finding a way to give him the freedom to find his support by getting a part-time or maybe even a full-time job to support himself because uh, they want him 100%, but they're not willing to uh, to fork up the support for a hundred percent of uh, of a full time worker, and you see that's that's not uh, that's not the case here. But sometimes it's been twisted around almost to an opposite degree. And yet, on the other hand, I've seen uh, seen it uh, uh, that. It's exactly what Paul's getting at here, that some people have come in in the professional ministry and they have constructed this profession of doing the ministry in such a way that that it's almost as if you have to pay them in order to get them to minister to you. And uh, that doesn't seem to be quite right either. That seems to be more like these... uh, 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 these opponents of Paul and what they're doing, and they weren't interested in feeding the flock. They're interested in fleecing the sheep, and that's exactly what Paul is uh, trying to counterbalance. He says, he says, uh, verse fifteen: I will most gladly spend and be expended for your souls. If I love you more, am I to be loved less? Paul says. I gave and I gave. I gave. I left a hundred and hundred percent out there on the field, out there on the court. And uh, he says, "I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not sorry I did it. I'm going to do it again when I come back the third time." He says, "But but somehow this just doesn't seem right that I get less respect because I actually value you more. I'm more committed to you than ever. I'm more committed than anybody." else to make sure you grow in Christ and you are fed the proper diet in God's word in the proper context and the proper uh, motivation on my part. And yet, and yet you now you value me less that somehow I am worth less to you than these false apostles. And he says something about that just isn't right. He says, but be that as it may, I did not burden myself burden you myself. Nevertheless, crafty fellow that I am, I took you in by deceit. Again, Paul puts his tongue in his cheek, you see. He's probably quoting his opponents here. They uh, are accusing Paul of taking advantage of these Corinthian believers. Somehow, they have twisted this around and made Paul out to be their enemy, made Paul out to be some something that he's not, that somehow he is... is uh, has some sort of sinister motive behind this. He has an agenda to to uh, eke out from them uh, uh, something of deceit. And he's saying, 
Oh yeah, I deceived you. I deceived you by being supported uh, by my own job with my own hands, working night and day. I deceived you by receiving money from other churches I've already been to, and they supported me so that I could serve you the gospel without charging you a cent. And, And now... That means less to you. And not only that, now that means somehow I'm the deceiver here. Paul says, oh, he said, he answers his own question. You see in verse 17, certainly I have not taken advantage of you through any of those whom I have sent to you. Have I? Paul is very clear about his own position, about his own conscience here. You see, it's very similar to what he did with the uh, Thessalonian church before he got to the Corinthian church. In fact, when he writes to uh, the Thessalonian congregation in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 5 through 12, and uh, he, he lays it all out kind of similar to this passage here, except he elucidates the ideas in a little bit of a different framework, but it's the same principle. And uh, I just think we need to kind of parallel these two passages together. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I mean, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 5, and it says, For we never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness, nor would we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, even though as apostles of Christ, we might have asserted our authority. That means we might have expected you rightfully to give us money, but we didn't do it that way. In verse 7 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7, it says, but we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her, her own children. Notice a parent is functioning here. This is Paul's apostleship. This is what Paul's apostleship looked like. It looked like a mother tenderly caring for those under his charge. He says, having so fond an affection, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become very dear to us. That's the way Paul did his ministry in the Thessalonican church. In other words, he did more than just go give a sermon and go back to the hotel. He invested himself in them. The gospel was preached, yes, but he uh, imparted his own life to them. He invested himself in them. For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day, so as not to be a burden to any of you. See there, the same parallel. We proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and so is God how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave toward you believers, just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children. Notice again that parenthood idea. Paul's apostleship was practiced under the principles of Parents, both parents, spiritually speaking, a mother and a father, doing both. 
investing in his children this way. Verse 12 concludes that passage. It says, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So Paul is saying basically the same thing to this congregation in this particular argument about his own apostleship by saying, I gave it all for you. And I didn't expect anything in return except your loyalty to Christ and your response to God's word and your filling of the Holy Spirit. That's what I was out. I was out for your souls. I wasn't out for you and your possessions or your money. That's what he says. Certainly, I've not taken advantage of you through any of those whom I have sent to you, have I? And so Paul says, this was no conspiracy. I didn't come in to you and, and, and expect uh, uh, to get a profit out of you. Uh, even when I sent these people, this, this entourage of people that were going to make this collection, the, uh, Titus and, uh, and the brother that was with him, that uh, they didn't try to deceive you, did they? They didn't take advantage of you. They didn't manipulate you to, to give money to them or give money to the Jerusalem church church and then turn around and make sure that I got it? That They didn't do that, did they? Paul says, they acted consistently with my own motives, with their own sincere motives. They were there to serve Christ, and they were there to serve the Lord's people and the Lord's money that they were giving to the Lord's people back in Jerusalem. And Paul didn't get one red cent from it. <laughs> And Paul wanted to make sure that that was true. And he says, verse 18, I urged Titus to go and I sent the brother with him. Titus did not take advantage of you, did he? Paul uh, calls upon the Corinthian believers to testify to Titus's character, not just his own, but Titus's character, the brother that came with Titus, whoever he was, we don't know his name, but did they act with any hidden agendas about the money they were protecting? It was your money, and they were protecting it for the Jerusalem saints. Did they give you any impression that they were going to turn around and make themselves profitable or make me profitable? Paul says, no. (laughs) Did we not conduct ourselves in the same spirit and walk in the same steps? It was completely consistent. The picture you saw in them was the picture you saw in me, and I was willing to take advantage of no one so that the gospel would go forth freely and that the gospel wouldn't be discredited. You see, what's interesting is the very first part of this chapter talking about the apostles' credentials, the real revelations that the apostle got wasn't his trip to heaven. It was God's voice speaking to him, my grace is sufficient for you. And what's interesting is 
the real signs and wonders that Paul had to offer to the Corinthian church, really as it boiled down here in this, these two or three paragraphs, it wasn't even the signs and wonders that made the impact. It was the fact that Paul loved them so much that he spent and he expended himself for their spiritual benefit. That's the sign of a true apostle as far as Paul is wanting to present in this passage. Father, thank you for these moments. Thank you for these words that give us an insight to the heart of this fine apostle Paul that has been berated maybe even very from the very day one and he's continued to be berated by those who oppose him even today and he is not the harsh cold-hearted man that many have made him out to be he is your servant and father forgive us if we've judged other servants of yours even in our midst that we've judged them wrongly and instead they've come humbly to serve you in our midst to make sure that we grow in Christ's likeness in the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed this presentation today. I'm Glendale Tony. Join us next time for Feeding the Flock. <laughs>